At some point in many people's academic or research careers, they will end up leading a large research group or centre of some form. Where the group is much larger than that of a typical individual senior leader like a professor, they can sometimes come with their own discretionary budget. This budget is typically provided by the host organisation, such as a university, and combines with other sources of funding to fund the centre's activities. Having such a budget is a huge opportunity to do many good things that simply aren't typically possible with specific project or grant-based budgets, but it comes with some extra challenges as well. Many academics or researchers receive little to no formal budget training, and so the prospect of managing a large budget suddenly can be quite daunting. In these two videos, I will provide a detailed overview of the key broader concepts, issues and constraints that shape how to go about managing a budget and go through a range of examples of what you might invest that funding into. As with all things, the relative emphasis on different aspects of the budget will vary between countries, research disciplines and host organisations but many of these issues will be common to most situations. In this first video, I will dive into some of the key concepts that shape how you would run a budget for a large group or center. The first key factor is the amount of funding provided to the center. Whilst you can choose lots of different ways to spend any amount of money, the magnitude of the funding will determine broadly what is possible. For example, if the funding is small, then it might not be feasible to hire a postdoc or research scientist even at a fractional rate. Instead, you might have to rely on lower cost casual research assistance. On the smaller end of the funding scale, many investments or purchases will not be feasible in an outright sense. Instead, you'll need to find co-funding opportunities where a number of funding sources, for example, external grants, can also chip in to fund that shiny new microscope you need for your research. As the funding amount available increases, you may have the prospect of employing multiple full-time staff in your centre. These could be postdocs, administration staff, communications officers, business development personnel and more. You may be able to partially or fully fund major research events like a conference or workshop and offer substantial internal research grant schemes to your center members. Larger outright research equipment purchases may become possible as well. Just as important as the funding amount is the funding time span and the certainty of the funding amount over that time span. If your funding is only given on a year by year basis, you are limited in your ability to commit to longer term investments, like for example, hiring a three year postdoc. There are workarounds like having a backup plan involving funding someone you hire from an external grant, but none of them are great. Sometimes you may have certainty of funding for three years or more, but the exact amount funded each year is not guaranteed and may vary. In these situations, you can prioritize longer-term funding commitments to the most vital long-term investments, like postdocs, for example, and vary as needed the amount of discretionary funding you have each year for less critical or more flexible activities. Limited funding time spans also limit your ability to make time-delayed commitments, 
like providing a funding contribution to an external grant or fellowship a member of your centre is applying for. Indexing is incredibly important for internal funding schemes. The broad idea of indexing funding for a centre is to increase the funding each year to keep up with inflation and salary increases. Without indexing, what was a workable funding amount can very rapidly become unworkable in a short period of just a couple of years. To give a specific example, imagine an environment where staff are getting a 3.5% salary increase per year. On top of that, the longer term staff with your centre may also be getting salary increments as they move up in seniority. These are all great things for retaining good talent, but also mean that after a period of two to three years, your salary costs could have easily increased by around 20%. Without indexing, sustaining that sort of salary increase means you need to cut costs somewhere else. Different types of expenses will vary in how volatile their pricing is. Salaries and salary increases can usually be projected out a few years with reasonable accuracy. However, other items like travel and specialist equipment can have rapidly changing prices. Just in the last few years, we've seen travel pricing, primarily made up of international flights and accommodation, vary by 50% or more. The same goes for specialist equipment. In my field of robotics, things like computer graphical processing units or GPUs recently spiked in price and then dropped rapidly. Other types of research equipment and consumables can also vary in price, driven by geopolitical events, supply chain issues, natural disasters, and many more factors. Unexpected pricing changes aren't always more expensive. Sometimes things can suddenly get a lot cheaper as well. The funding you get will often come with some restrictions. One of the most common is categories of spending that you're not allowed to spend that money on often because the host organization, like the university, sees themselves as already providing that service. Examples of this could range from not being able to directly spend that money on professional or administration staff to not being able to purchase simple things like stationery, all because these are things that are, at least in theory, already covered by the host organization. For those who haven't managed larger budgets before, the situation around under or overspending your budget can often feel very counterintuitive. A typical individual attitude to budgets might be to be as conservative as possible, saving some of the budget just in case, and often ending the financial year not having spent all the money. In many environments, this can actually be very counterproductive. The executives who have argued for the funding in the first place may face backlash because it looks like you're not making good use of all of the money. The opposite problem, excessive overspend, can also be bad, but a slight overspend is often the sweet spot. Saving money for a rainy day can serve some purpose, but most internal centres or larger groups don't last forever, so there's limited utility to saving too much of that money. There are also logistical constraints. You may not be able to roll over unused funds from one year to the next. So anything unspent is not recovered at the end of each year. No budget is ever enough for everything you'd like to do as a center. So budget plans should always seek out funding leverage opportunities. 
where you only contribute some of the funding for the activity or equipment and other sources of funding also make contributions. To take a simple example, a typical policy for funding work-related travel might be that the centre only fund 50% by default, expecting 50% funding from other sources. This sort of policy means you can partially fund twice as much travel. You would still want to have some sort of exception process, for example, to support early career researchers who haven't yet established their own external funding streams. Leverage funding opportunities don't just have to be external, you can also leverage internal funding opportunities. Many organisations will have internal grant and equipment funding schemes that respond positively to a funding commitment from your centre. Planning how you spend your budget is one thing, but the reality of when those costs hit you is another. Large organisations don't always have the most efficient budgeting processes and so the timing of when a large charge you plan for comes through can vary, often by many months. This is a particularly critical issue when the costs hit your budget in another year from when you plan for it. A common issue, for example, when ordering equipment with a long fulfillment delay. Your host organisation may not be able to actually pay the vendor until the equipment has been physically received and tested. When this occurs, you can end up underspent in the first year and overspent in the next year, which can play havoc with your budget. Another complicating factor is the situation where an organisation can also sometimes charge expenses to other accounts in the interim, both intentionally and by accident, and then shift the charges over to the correct account at some later stage. If you look at your budgets assuming that that expense has already been covered, then you can be in for a rude shock when it actually hits your accounts later on. There will also be occasional completely unexpected costs, like extra fees or charges on accounts that weren't initially expected or planned for. Again, the timing on these can vary hugely, sometimes occurring months or even years after the relevant activity occurred. While saving lots of money for a rainy day is not necessarily a good plan, you will want to consider reserving some funding in a strategic reserve for unexpected opportunities. A good example of this would be having enough funding to be able to respond to a new major grant opportunity, where you need to suddenly fly a lot of people around the country to run workshops to develop a compelling proposal together. You can only do this if the likely strategic spending opportunity is in the current financial year or if you have some ability to roll over some of your unused funds to the next year. Having discretionary funding to run a large research group or centre is a fantastic opportunity and enables you to do a lot of things that aren't as easily achievable with only external milestone driven funding or no funding at all. If you're new to managing a large budget, it can be a steep learning curve that overturns some of the budgeting wisdoms you may have learnt as a child. In this video, I've covered a range of key concepts that should shape how you plan to expand your budget and some issues that can get in the way of even the best laid budget plans. In part two of this budgeting series, I'll run you through a range of potential spending categories you might consider allocating a centre budget to.